and welcome to another episode of Off Grid with me, Dave. And me, Void. Yes, it's the Not Really About Crosswords podcast. Now, before each episode, we found a page on the internet and written all over it. Fortunately, it was a cryptic crossword from one of the daily papers. So, as well as solving the puzzle, we found hopefully interesting things to talk about inspired by some of the answers and picked clues we liked, which we'll explain as we go along. This time round, we've looked at Italicus's puzzle from The Independent from the 28th of March 2022, and that's their number 11062. We'll give a link to it in the blog. If you don't solve crossword puzzles, don't worry, that's fine. We'll explain the bits that are crosswordy to you, but most of the time we're talking about other stuff. And in addition to that, we'll also have a short quiz inspired by stuff in the puzzle, for which we will, of course, need general knowledge. Hello, General. How are you? Hi, I'm doing fine. How are you? Marvellous. Thank you. So, our favourite clues then. We'll read them out and explain them later. General, what was your favourite clue? Uh, Mine was 29 down. Uh, Read Orwell's letters regularly. They epitomise wisdom. Four letters. And Dave? I went for nine across, which says electronic tag left in coat six letters and how about you mine was 24 down low life got over being given time inside six letters we'll come back to them and explain how they work to you but now let's go to the general what clue inspired you the word i chose uh was nematode (laughs) which isn't a toad at all it is not a toad it is a roundworm is a common name for a nematode, mm-hmm. which you might think, ew, why would I choose such a thing? <laughs> Doesn't <laughs> sound very pleasant, does it? But I, I find, find them kind of interesting. They actually are the most abundant multicellular animal on Earth. Oh, nice. There are mm-hmm. 57 billion nematodes for every human. Yikes. Yeah. I, I don't want mine, thank you. No, I was going to say, you can have mine. <laughs> they, they can be found in all ecosystems across the entire planet. Mm-hmm. There are 400 quintillion of them, they estimate. 400 quintillion. Are there different types of them? There are. Are they all there, the same species? No. There, no, no, no. There are thousands of different species. I, I cannot remember the exact number. Right. But... The main reason I chose nematode because is because it reminded me of tardigrades, which are definitely my favorite, most interesting animal out there. They belong to the same uh, oh, yeah. super phylum as nematodes. I don't know how much you know about tardigrades, but they're, they're called water bears. That's yes. another name for them, isn't it? These are the ones that can sort of survive in extreme. Uh, conditions, aren't they? Exactly, sort of like yeah. In, in space or something like yes, that, and you can then yes. come back to life. Yeah, they're called water bears or moss piglets. They look like little <laughs> little pigs. They're, they're very cute if you take a look at them, but they are microscopic, so. Yes. Like the nematodes, they live everywhere on Earth, and even not on Earth. Like you said, in I think it was like 2007, they sent a batch into space and most of them survived the vacuum and the cosmic rays and came back safely. Wasn't there 
Hmm. Was it a Chinese satellite uh, or probe that, that had some on for some yeah. experimental reasons? And it ended up crashing into the moon by accident. So there could be uh, tardigrades living on the moon, theoretically. I did hear something about tardigrades uh, possibly on the moon, but I'm not sure from which uh, which mission that was from or where it was from. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's not clangers you're thinking of, is it? Oh, yeah, that was it. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> they can also go decades without food or water. Mm. If they get dehydrated, because they need to stay hydrated, if they get dehydrated, they basically suspend their life functions. And when they're in this dehydrated state, they're called a ton, a T-U-N. Right. Okay. And basically, it can be like a spore and it can float away in the wind and go somewhere else. And once it reaches a place with moisture, it'll rehydrate and reproduce asexually and start a whole new colony. It's like Buck Rogers in the 25th century, going into a long sleep and then waking up to a whole new life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Life finds a way, hey? Yeah. And yeah, they're found everywhere. The depths of the ocean floor, mountaintops, oceans, deserts, everywhere. Yeah, there's a theory, isn't there, that life on Earth may have started down on the ocean floor around mm. the, the hot vents. The thermal vents, yeah. Yeah, because you have extremophile organisms yeah. living down there that can survive the intense heat. I don't know if nematodes are amongst that bunch. Right. Seems plausible, doesn't it? Yeah, tardigrades also have lived through all five extinction events. They've been <laughs> around. <laughs> They've been around a very long time. Just plodding on through. Plodding on through, yeah. Do you think they have t-shirts to say so? They do. I've lived through all the major extinctions. They do. I bought one. I have one. I have one of those t-shirts. <laughs> that reminds me of uh, a story I heard of uh, an old lady back in 86 was wearing a t-shirt which says, I've seen Halley's Comet twice. Oh, very good. <laughs> once in 86 and once yeah. in 1910. Wow. I hope I'll be able to see it when it comes back, but I might be pushing it. <laughs> 86 was the last one? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Oh, be pushing it, yeah. <laughs> Fingers crossed, eh? <laughs> cool. Dave, tell us how your favourite clue works then, please. Okay. If you recall, it was electronic tag left in coat at six letters, which I picked because it was a nice realistic surface meaning. It makes you think about you know buying a jacket in a department store and setting off an alarm on the way out because the checkout assistant's forgotten to remove the security device. But it's not really talking about that sort of coat at all. It's talking about a coat of paint or of glaze. Electronic is just the letter E. Tag is name, like when a graffiti artist writes their name, perhaps. And left is, as usual, the letter L. So E, name, L spells enamel. Now, Void, what did you have lined up to talk about? Well, if we have any ileurophobes listening, you may want to turn your ears away or fast forward for a bit, because ileuros is the old Greek word for cat, and I picked the word cats from the grid. And ileuros was indeed the Greek word for an older Egyptian goddess who was called Bastet, who you may have heard of. Mm -hmm. This goddess was originally depicted as a lioness-headed god, goddess of the sun, but later diversified into two separate aspects of the same god. 
and Bastet got the cat head, and Sekhmet kept the lion head. Right. I don't know if you've heard of Sekhmet. There are a lot of Egyptian gods to uh, learn their different animal heads, if you should be so inclined, in a general edge type of way. So the division into the two aspects occurred about 1000 BCE, which is about 2000 years after the goddess was first around. It's fairly well known that cats in ancient Egypt were highly revered, and that's thought to be due to their ability to catch rats and mice and the like, because Mm -hmm. those vermin would have posed a particular threat to the Egyptians' vital stores of grain. Okay. Uh, And Bastet was sometimes depicted with kittens as well. And because cats are hunting animals, during the later Ptolemaic dynasty of Egypt, Bastet was sometimes equated with the Greek goddess of the hunt, whose name was? Is that Artemis? That's the one. Right. Yeah. That's a relief. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, do you know, as a bit of an aside, do you know where Artemis is? famous temple was is that ephesus oh ding well done and where's ephesus that i'm not sure about specifically that's in modern day western turkey and do you know the historical significance of the temple of artemis at ephesus well it's one of the ancient seven wonders of the world isn't it Mm -hmm. yeah spot on yes i've got a quote here from Antipater of Sidon, who said, I have set eyes on the wall of lofty Babylon, on which there is a road for chariots, and the statue of Zeus by the Alpheus, and the hanging gardens, and the colossus of the sun, and the huge labour of the high pyramids, and the vast tomb of Morselus. But when I saw the house of Artemis that mounted to the clouds, those other marvels lost their brilliancy, and I said, Lo, apart from Olympus, the sun never looked on aught so grand. Wish you were here. (laughs) (laughs) So it sounds like he was fairly impressed by it. Sounds like it. He lived in the 2nd century BCE, which means that he would have been talking about the third and final version of the Temple of Artemis, because Mm. it dates back originally to at least the 8th century BCE, and it was first destroyed by flooding in the 6th century BCE, and then rebuilt from 550 onwards at some point. And that rebuilding was paid for by an ancient king of Lydia. I wonder if you might know his name. I have a sneaking suspicion that we're going to when you tell us it. Well, Uh, that's the one. Yeah, Croesus. The general's got it. It's Croesus. Ah, ah. Because, you know, if he can afford to have a temple rebuilt, he must have lots of money. Yeah. You may know the Rich as. the saying, rich as Croesus. Yeah, you might not have known he was a real historical character. Anyway, the second version of the temple burned down in 356 BCE. And again, quiz nerds might like to note that's the same year as the birth of Alexander the Great. Yeah. Uh, it was rebuilt by the Ephesians in 323 BCE and lasted until, well, somewhere in the modern era between 268 and 400 CE. And there's only ruins left today. Mm. Anyway, I went on that major digression pretty much entirely because one of our cats is called Artemis. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Our 
we we have two cats. They are brother and sister, and therefore you know that her brother's name is Apollo. Yay! <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> of course. Back to Bastet, and she had her own temple at Bubastis, which I wanted to mention for three reasons. One is that 300,000 mummified cats have been found there during excavations, which emphasises the reverence that Egyptians held cats in. Or she was the mad old cat lady. Mm. (laughs) I guess so. Uh, Secondly, throwing back to last episode, this temple was said to be a furlong's length on one side. A furlong being, we all remember. I can't remember. One eighth of a mile. Eighth of I should have said it. That's what came to my mind. There we are. And the last reason for mentioning this temple is that it was located near the modern-day Egyptian town in the Nile Delta, the splendidly named Zagazig. Ah, yes. Which is now a modern-day site of pilgrimage for fans of the Spice Girls, (laughs) or it should be at least. Marvelous. There you go. There's, there's my cat facts. Right, General, what about your clue? You want to uh, run through how that works for us? My clue was 29 down. Read Orwell's letters regularly. They epitomize wisdom. Four letters. This was an alternating letters clue. So you have to read the regular letters of Orwell's. O-W-L-S. And we get owls. And the definition, they epitomize wisdom. Very neat. And we've got a reference to another Greek god there, goddess Athena. Her symbol was the owl. Indeed. Oh, very good. So, Dave, where are you taking us? What linguistic journey are we going on today? Well, I saw the word unedited at 19 down. And some listeners may be aware that my day job is as a proofreader. So I thought I'd look at a few examples of the importance of edit checks, getting a second pair of eyes on a job. <laughs> there have been some famous massive failures to check proofs. So, the Chilean National Mint in 2011 issued one and a half million 50 peso coins on which the word Chile was misspelled. <laughs> a bit of a mistake. Oops. Yeah. There is a typo on the Lincoln Memorial in Washington, D.C. How did they misspell Chile? Uh, How did they misspell the the L? uh, It it was all in capitals, and instead of the L, they had a second I, so it was C-H-I-I-E. L and I. Yeah. Capital I and lowercase L can be interchangeable in Mm -hmm. some typefaces, so I can see how that one came about. It's, yeah, possible, but, you know... It's it's a that's a lot of coin, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. And in the Lincoln Memorial, part of the of, of the design is a carved inscription of I think both Lincoln's inaugural addresses. And in the second one, the word future was spelled with an E instead of an F, so Eucha. <laughs> it was spotted fairly quickly and the bottom crossbar has been filled in, because if you think about a carved letters, you can just kind of Almost like polyfiller, it's you Get know, the polyfiller the, the, to it. Yeah. yeah, exactly. The 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 <laughs> bottom crossbar of the, but for people who visit the memorial, it the mistake is still visible. You can you can look up and see the error there. Now, I think 
you've probably all heard of the famous Adulterer's Bible or Wicked Bible. Yeah. For those who haven't, this is a 1631 edition of the King James Version printed in London by the then royal printers Robert Barker and Martin Lucas. See, I've got some printing into it. (laughs) Uh, And their mistake was that they left the word not out of the seventh commandment, meaning that readers were told, thou shalt commit adultery. (laughs) Oddly enough, about a year later, Barker and Lucas lost their printing licence. Oops. Yeah, oops. Uh, and, and the last one I've got really is, uh, do you know the saga of the missing words from Chambers' Dictionary? Hmm. Rings a bell, but I can't hmm. bring it to mind. Okay, well, as crosswordy people, we tend to need a dictionary to hand, and uh, mm-hmm. the Chambers' Dictionary is traditionally the one for crossword setters and solvers. In 2014, they published the 13th edition which turned out to be a bit unlucky for them because it soon became apparent that around 400 entries were missing. Ooh, Ooh. that's more than a couple. It is. And the reason is apparently that in the previous edition, the 12th from 2011, they had decided to highlight a bunch of interesting or amusing words by marking them with a star and putting them in a shaded box. And Mm. this idea apparently wasn't particularly popular it didn't go all down all that well so when they were setting up the next edition they decided to take that feature out but <laughs> see some... where this is going <laughs> yeah, yeah somehow it went to print without anybody noticing that they hadn't merely taken out the highlight formatting they'd taken out the entries that it was applied to in their entirety pretty soon readers spotted though and were complaining to them on mass as you can imagine hmm. By November, they'd put up a seven-page PDF erratum with all the missing words on it on their website. And I can supply a link to that in the show notes if anybody's interested, because it's still available. I'm looking at it right now. Uh, But it wasn't until 2016 that they published a revised 13th edition with all the missing words put back in. So I've I've got a few of the the words that were affected by this boo-boo, if anybody's... Uh, do you want to hear a few of them? Yeah, definitely. Of course. Uh, we've got Baffle Gab, which uh, has one of their... Uh, chambers are kind of slightly famous for occasionally putting in a humorous definition, and I think I've mentioned a few of them in, in a previous episode. Mm. Um, Baffle Gab, they describe as noun, slang, the professional logoria of many politicians, officials, and salespeople, characterised by prolix abstract circumlocution and or a profusion of abstruse technical terminology used as a means of persuasion, pacification, or obfuscation. I see what they did there. Yeah. It, it's also very applicable to today's world, I think, as is cacistocracy. Ah, uh, Yes. Now that you, is that is ruled by the is it by the worst or is it, is. it by? Uh, <laughs> I was uh, struggling to come up with a euphemism for a ruder word there, but I'll stop yes. now that you tell yeah. me. I was right yes, government time. by the worst. Yes, and there's a paranym, p a r i n y m. Any Ooh. thoughts? Hmm. A parallel mm-hmm. word. I think you can intuit that it's a word, a word about a word, isn't it? Yes, because ah. nim is going to be names for things. It's right. it's a word whose meaning is altered to conceal an evasion or untruth. For example, liberation used for conquest. 
Ah, right. Mm. Yeah. That's into the kind of topical ones. So here's a couple of just mm. amusing ones. Cotswold lion. Do you know what a Cotswold lion is? Mm. No. Is it a euphemism for a, some sort of fierce pet? Mm, you're in the general area. It's it's a sheep. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's a sheep. Uh, do you know the verb to sug? S-U-G. To sing a madness song. No. <laughs> it's, it's quite a useful one, this one. It's to attempt to sell a product while purporting to be engaged in market research. Ah, yeah. That's, you can't go. Oh, I need to remember that one. Yes. Cunning. Yeah. Uh, there we are, and we also got lots of words that sound like they were made up by P.G. Woodhouse, like spissitude and spoffish and spang. <laughs> I want to put baffle gag in my next crossword. Yeah. Well, as I say, I'll I'll, I'll, I'll give you a link, and and people can look up all seven pages of silly words out of the uh, out of the dictionary. I mean, a baffle gag. You'd it's think gab it, with a B. Oh, gab with a B. Oh, okay. yeah. oh, I was going to say that a, a baffle is a device for reducing acoustic reflections, and a gag is something for shutting someone up. So it's singularly inappropriate for someone who's over talking. But yes. baffle gab. Yes, <laughs> makes sense, doesn't it? Okay, very last thing. Tat purusha is defined. It's the sort of word that doesn't sound like what it's going to be. It's it's a grammatical term. It's a class of compound words where the first element modifies the second by standing next to it in various types of relationship. I'll explain. Such as possession. <laughs> like goat skin, the skin of a goat. right? Or location, okay. field mouse, a mouse in a field. Hmm. Or the right. object of an action, guitar player is a player of guitars and so on. And I only mention that as my desperate attempts to segue meaningfully into your choice of clue, because I think the answer word for your choice is uh, is a tapurusha. I see. Right. Well, let's go to my clue then. It was low life got over being given time inside. This clue frustrated me because I couldn't get it for ages and it was my last one to solve in the puzzle. And... I was frustrated doubly when I did solve it because not only did I use the answer word in a clue of one of my recent puzzles, but I'd also used one of the devices in the uh. clue. So the definition is low life. We want a six letter word for low life. Got over simply means turning over the word got. So T-O-G. And that's something I didn't spot annoyingly being given time inside. So you want to put a word that means time inside, T-A-G, and that word was era. And so you get the word toe rag for a low life. A rag of the toe, a tact perusia, was it? That's right, yeah, pretty much, yeah. I think that's where it comes from, isn't it? It's, it's someone wearing rags on their toes, I think, Ooh. originally. Yeah, I... I it's one of those words you've never really thought about the meaning of. It's like, what? Why? Oh, a, t- a toe rag? What are you talking about? It's very strange. Okay, it's time for the quiz. Yay. <laughs> My first question goes back to the nematode. Okay. I had mentioned that it was the most numerous multicellular animal on Earth. Mm-hmm. But if we just look at mammals, what is the most 
numerous mammal on Earth. Now I'm going to give a little thing about that not including rats or bats because they cannot be accurately counted. <laughs> That's a shame because I was going to suggest a rat. <laughs> oh. So, And you specified mammals as well because I was going to go for ants. Just mammals. Or, uh, or krill, but they are not mammals. Hmm. They're not rats or bats. Or cats. <laughs> well, I didn't say it wasn't that. specified. It could be cats. Well, I'm wondering. I suspect it probably isn't, though. Um, no. I mean, I suppose we should start with humans, because there's seven billion of us. There's probably more of something than us. Sheep. Oh, yeah, I was thinking cattle. Is it something that is of benefit to humankind? Or is it something wilder? We're looking for a hint here, I think. <laughs> I, I'll, I'll take an initial stab at cattle. Looking for a hint? It is It is one of those things you had said. Ooh. All right, well, I'll stick with my sheep suggestion then. It is not sheep. Oh. But sheep sheep is up there. It is humans. Oh. Okay. 7.6 billion. Cows are close to 2 billion. Nice. And pigs and sheep are over 1 billion. Okay. I had expected more sheep than that because mm. I had been to New, New Zealand. Well, exactly. <laughs> there are certain places that are just full of the damn things, aren't there? Yeah. There were more sheep than people. Yeah, don't they have a ratio of six sheep per person or something I think like so. that in New Zealand? Yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't want my share of those either. <laughs> they have sheep crossings. I was, I was on a tour in New Zealand and we had to wait for the sheep to cross the road. There was like a huge line of them. Excellent. Very good. Question two. Mm-hmm. So my second question was inspired by 13 Across, The Thing, the movie. Okay. The question is, where does that movie take place? It's an Antarctic base, isn't it? Correct. It is an Antarctic base. Yes. So there are no bears there. There are no bears. No bears. No. But an interesting thing. Plenty I found... of penguins, though. Were there any? I don't think there were any penguins in the movie, though. Were there? Not in the movie. Well, there, there is, there is a version of the thing. That he's done with the animated penguin character Pingu. If anybody's seen that online on the internet, it's purely entertaining. I have not, and I must now. It's called Fingu, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> oh, worth making just for the title pun. I need to see that. I'm not sure if I've seen the thing or not. It feels like the kind of thing that would have been on a Sunday afternoon TV and I might have watched, but I can't I've got no memory of it. It was um, a remake of a black and white, I think nineteen fifties thing called The Thing from Another World. Oh, I'm actually thinking yeah. of a, an old nineteen fifties film, so maybe I'm not aware of the well, remake. The the thing was in the eighties, eighty two, eighty three, I can't remember. Early eighties. Yeah, sounds about right. It's yeah. uh, John Carpenter. Jobby. John Carpenter, right. The interesting fact about the Antarctic thing is there are some British Antarctic stations that have a tradition of watching the thing every June 21st during their midwinter feast. Oh, marvellous. <laughs> is that date of significance to the film? Yeah, because the film was was made there, correct? Yeah, but, but the June 21st. Oh, no, the date. That's just when they have their big midwinter. That's middle of winter for them. Right. Yeah. Yeah, we recently saw a, a job advert. They're looking for postmasters in the Antarctic, aren't they, to go and do a stint? I there. know. 
<laughs> I've been thinking about that since I've seen it. Seriously tempted, General? I am. I am. <laughs> so it'll be five months without running water and without the internet. Which one of those is more difficult to give up? <laughs> the internet. <laughs> <laughs> I'd, I'd feel the other way, you know. I, Yeah. Just take a nice stack of books. That'd be a good time to get through reading some. Yeah. That is Just true. as long as you tell people that you're going before you go. Otherwise, they wonder where, where you've been. Indeed. Indeed. Well, if you do apply, good luck. Thank you. Yeah. Two questions? That was two questions, Did yes. we have a third? We have a third, yes. Cool. So we mentioned that John Carpenter was the uh, director. Mm-hmm. And the film didn't do too well when it came out. And my question was, what did John Carpenter blame the movie's poor performance on? Ooh. This was in 82, 83. The Falklands Conflict. <laughs> They're way down <laughs> south. It's nearby. <laughs> but then he was American. He probably wasn't likely yeah. to pick on that. <laughs> Uh, the massive success of things like E.T. instead. <gasps> you got it. Oh, e- really? So e- it was poor timing. Oh, okay. E.T. Yeah. E. came out two weeks before the thing did. Right. And he said that the audiences wanted to see a friendly alien. That and had not had- one that bites your arms off. Yes, quite. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I was going to guess they blamed it on someone's acting performance or an awful soundtrack but uh that would have been very impolitic so yeah it's, just blame it on someone be- else's film it's become a, a cult classic in the years since though hasn't it it has it has two and a half I was, gonna... <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say wasn't steve mcqueen in that film the original but maybe that was the blob was it it was either in the blob or the thing he was he was definitely in the blob yes yeah yes. Ah, that's what i'm thinking of yeah Watched that a few months ago. <laughs> the block, very old, very silly film. Yeah, another one for the list. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Right. Q end credits. You have been listening to Off Grid. Show notes with links to related stuff from this episode can be found at offgrid.tlmb.net. Come follow us on Twitter, where we are Eutropelian and apolostic philomaths, but never humgruffins, memes, quats, or rantipoles. You can find me at Skirwingle. <laughs> oh dear. And I'm at the Void TLMB. Uh, since we last recorded, I had a puzzle out called Stamping, which you can find on my blog, tlmb.net slash blog. And I'll have another puzzle out called Combatant. Ooh, probably by the time this goes out, which you can also find there. General, what recommendations do you have for us this time around? I would like to recommend uh, Liari77 underscore Becky on Twitter and to check out liaricryptics.blogspot.com for some puzzles. Marvellous. Fantastic. Thanks so much for helping us out again, General. Thank you very much for having me again. Thanks, everyone. See you next time. Bye. 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 Bye-bye. That was Off Grid. If you enjoyed it, please tell a friend. Give us a review. Give us a rating. That would be absolutely marvellous. Thank you. And I would like to say hola, dobri den, and mahaba to our new listeners in Colombia, the Czech Republic, and the UAE. Thank you to Italicus for our puzzle today, and thank you as ever to the Trudy for our theme tune. See you next time, folks. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.
I'm going to have pizza and then I'm going to start editing tonight. <laughs> oh, good luck.